0: Welcome to the audio podcast of the Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. Man, I'm so excited to preach this morning. Uh, we are concluding our series in Hebrews. Stay the course. Have you guys really enjoyed this series? It's been awesome all summer. Can we get up for uh, Dr. Nina and that amazing word last week on faith? So good. And uh, man it's just been such an awesome series every the message before that pastor daves that that was top tier that was legendary don't tap don't quit you need to go back and watch that on youtube but honestly all of the messages have been so good and i'm really excited to preach this morning because i believe the message today is going to help you I don't care where you're at, whether it's your first time in church or you've been in church your whole life. I believe there are things from the Word of God that you're going to take today that you can apply to every area of your life. And really what I want to do is I want to give you four things to help you when you feel lost or when you feel like you're off course. Because this whole series has been about staying on course. But oftentimes in life, because life is long, there's ups, there's downs, there are times when you feel lost so i want to give you four things but uh, before we do you know as we've been in the uh, the the book of hebrews the series staying the course there is one thing that is so obvious about the book of hebrews and it is this it's all about jesus it's all about jesus and if there's a secondary title it would be this jesus is better that that's if you want to know what the book of hebrews is about it's about the fact that jesus is better Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is a better law. Jesus is a better priest. He's a better sacrifice. He's a better covenant. And now Jesus gives us a better way to live. And that's what chapters 12 and 13, 11, that's what it's all about is a better way that Jesus has for us to live. And I love the writer of Hebrews, most likely Paul. Um, it, Paul's words, probably written by one of his companions. Um, I love the chapter 13 because it's so practical. This is the better way that Jesus wants you to live. And so today we are in uh, chapter 13 in verse 8. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Chapter 13 in verse 8. It starts out with this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's read it all together. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, that's good. I don't even need to say anymore. more. That, that's it right there. Come on, East Bay Napa. That, that is power right there. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love this. Jesus will always be who he is. He does not change. He is the same. What does that mean to us? That if he loved you then, he's going to love you now, and he's going to love you in the future. If he forgave you then, he's forgiven you now. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, can we give an amen to that? He doesn't change. This is who he is. And this is the way he works. Jesus has saved us. We're being saved and we will be saved. This is what staying on course is all about. Jesus has given us a course to run on and now we're running on it and one day we will get to Jesus. He's not only the destination, he's the path to get there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's all about Jesus. Let's continue. Verse nine, it says, do not be led away by diverse or strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which all those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Let's stop there because things just got weird. You know, if you've been here this summer, you understand what's happening because Pastor Dave talked about it. Rich talked about it. Paul is writing with the understanding that the people who are listening to this letter have an have a intimate understanding with the traditional ceremonial laws of the Jewish tradition revolving around the temple. So when we talk about blood, which I am not a fan of, blood grosses me out. My dad always wanted me to be a doctor. I'm like, Dad, that ain't going to work. I can't do blood. I don't, I don't like it. So when we talk about blood, animals, what we are referring to is an old tradition. An an old way of getting into the presence of God. (laughs) Given by God, but over time turned into dead religion. And so what he's saying here is, is that even the priest, the top level, they cannot eat from the altar, the sacrifice of Jesus, just because of how good their works are and because of how good they are. There's a greater sacrifice, so your traditions, your blood sacraments, they don't matter anymore. Why? Because our nourishment does not come from food, but it comes from grace. Oh, that's awesome. It's not about our dead works. It's not about us trying harder. I don't care if you are the priest, the top of the top. You've lived a perfect life, which you haven't. We all need grace. That's the only way we can enter into the tent, go to the altar, and eat of the sacrifice of Jesus is by the gift of Jesus that he's given to us. I just wanted to bring some understanding to that. Let's continue. Verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For we have no... Uh, For we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have been given account." Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would not be of no advantage to you. We love being your pastors, by the way. (laughs) We don't groan or complain about it. Verse 18, we're almost done. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you uh, the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. Verse 20, I love this part. Now may the God of peace Who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Come on, what a powerful passage of scripture. What do you do when you get lost? What do you do when you're off course? Has anyone here ever been lost before? It is it is a horrible feeling when you are lost. It is disorienting, and uh, I don't get lost necessarily, but I lose a lot of things. And Sierra was just saying, say anything I touch seems to get lost. But it is not fun losing things and it is not fun being lost. I remember this one time when I got like lost, lost. It got scary. Um, I was grouse hunting. I was a junior in high school. My dad's friend said, hey, let's go grouse hunting. I'm not much of a hunter. Like I said, I don't like blood, but I was like, sounds fun. Let's go. So we went up into the mountains. We set up camp and me, my brother and my friend Skylar at camp. were like, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to try to hunt some grouse because that's what we're here to do. Um, And so we were horrible hunters, by the way. I would not survive on the show alone. I would be out first five minutes. Um, I like to think I would. I'm, I'm sitting on my couch eating popcorn, critiquing them. What are you doing? Eat the food now. Don't save it. That never works. Anyways, um, we go out and we're on this mountain and, and we just go up the mountain. We go to the top. We're wandering around looking for grouse and, and it's getting later in the day. The sun's starting to set. And we're like, okay, we should go back down. And, and instead of taking the path we took up down, We're like, the camp's this way. We're just going to go through the woods to get there. Yeah, you know. I didn't know. You know. So, So I start walking through the woods, and we start walking and walking and walking and walking, and we feel like we've walked way further than the camp was. And we go from zero okay to panicking in like a matter of six seconds. Sierra calls me the freak out guy. I know I look calm, cool, and collected, but sometimes I freak out, (laughs) especially when I'm driving. So if you see me around town and I look like I'm freaking out in my car, forgive me. Uh, (laughs) We we start freaking out. We start losing it. We're like, we are lost. The sun is setting. We need to build a shelter. We don't have food. (laughs) We we go to full panic mode. No joke. We start, we just like, what are we going to do? And so we're like, well, you know what we should do? We should fire uh, a distress signal. Three shots in the air, that means you need help. And we're like, yes, this is a good idea. And so my friend Skyler loads up his shotgun, three shots in the air, like someone help us, someone find us, doesn't work. We do it again, we shoot in the air, no response. We are freaking out. And then we just give up on that. We just start screaming. Mr. Jewett, help! And we are screaming, yelling. No joke. Not very far away. We hear Mr. Jewett's voice, and he says, boys, I'm over here. We're like, what? We, like, this to the door. We walk through the woods. Our camp is right there. No joke, this is true. And we're like, did you not hear our distress signal? And he said, I thought you guys were shooting a bunch of grouse. I thought, I thought you were having a great time. We were lost, but we weren't as lost as we thought. We were actually a lot closer than we thought. And I want to let you know today, if you feel lost, if you feel like you're off track, you're not as far off as you think. You're not as far gone as you think. All it took for us to get back to where we needed to go it was just Skylar's dad saying, boys, I'm over here. And I want to let you know one word from God. Take you right back to where you need to go. You are not too far gone. Don't give up. You have a life worth fighting for. You have somewhere to go. It's time to get back on course. So I want to give you four things to do when you feel lost, very practically. So the first one is this. When you feel lost, when you feel like you're off course, go outside the camp. First is go outside the camp. Is there anything standing between you and Jesus? You see, the writer, like I said, understood that his audience knew the traditions of the temple. The temple was still intact. It was not destroyed yet. So he understood that. But he tells them, says, Jesus did not die, was not sacrificed. Within the confines of the temple, he was sacrificed outside of the camp. Let me read the scripture again. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. They had a temple. They had their ceremony. They had all the different apparatuses, the basin, the altar, the Holy of Holies. All of these things... And then around this, they built walls to protect it. But what it had become was simply traditions, dead religion, ceremony to try to get to God. But Jesus wasn't there. He was outside the walls. He was outside the camp. And what does he say? Jesus was sacrificed outside the camp. So he doesn't say, hey, wait for Jesus to come to you. He says, now you go outside the camp and bear the reproach that he did if you feel lost maybe it's because you're not where Jesus is i know that's simple but oftentimes here's what we do just like them where they built up these traditions they had this dead religion they were trying to get to god through their own efforts abilities and then end up building a city build walls we do the same thing we love to build walls we love to have our cities where we're comfortable, where we find our identity, where we find our purpose, where we find our value. This is what our cities represent. And then we build walls around it based off of fear to protect what we have. You, nope, you, you can't have access to this. I have walls. We build it, protect it, because this is ours. And maybe we feel lost. Maybe we feel off course, Because there is something standing in between us and Jesus. There is something standing in between the path that he wants us on and the city we're dwelling in. It says, go outside the camp. Go outside the camp. What camp are you dwelling in right now? Whose camp are you in? Oh, it's election season next year. It's a question, people, whose camp are you in? Whose side are you on? And we love to build these cities and walls based off of our political beliefs, our ideologies, our traditions, and the things that give us purpose and value. But Jesus gave up all of that and he went outside the city. And if we want to go to where Jesus is, we have to step outside of those gates. Because to enter into the presence of God, we have to come to the end of ourself. What do you find identity, purpose, and value in? Because if it's anything other than Jesus, that is a city, a camp that you are dwelling in that's actually keeping you from Jesus. As a church, we need to be willing to step outside the gate. Our our cry is, God, we want to go wherever you are. So if you're outside the gate, if you're outside my comfort zone, if you're outside what I think is true, then I'm going to go to you. I'm not staying where I'm at because wherever you are, there is life. There is peace. There is hope. We were created to be in the presence of God. To be on course is to be in the presence of God. But to be in the presence of God, we have to get out of the camp. have to go through the gate and do what Jesus did. Because oftentimes, the cities and camps and walls that we build are built on the temporary. Temporary feelings, temporary uh, atmospheres, temporary motives, a temporary place. But I love what it says here. It says that, for we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Pastor Hillary talked about this in her message. We're not living for the now, we are living for the future, the hope that is to come for eternity. The cities that we love to build off of our traditions, dead religion, how good we are, our our beliefs, ideologies are temporary. The life that Jesus is calling us to is an eternal one. We were created for an eternal city. That's why you won't find life until you step out of the cities we've built. Because we were created for something greater. We were created for something more. And when we step out of the gates and we step out of the camp and we go to Jesus, we find ourselves in the arms of a Savior who loves us so much. It's not about how good I am, but it's about how good he was. And in his arms of a God who knows you better than you know yourself. You find out who you truly are. We must follow him outside of the gates. Relationship with Jesus and nearness to Jesus is the goal. Is there anything standing between you and God? Anything. Because we're on a path that's leading us to an eternal city. You are an eternal being. You are not made for here. You're made for where you're going. So we gotta step out of the gates. We gotta get on the path and go towards that city. Second thing. Second thing if you feel lost or if you feel off track. Is sacrifice. Bring a sacrifice. It says this. Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus gave up his life for me and for you, died on the cross, bore our sin in shame so that we could have new life. But as followers of Jesus, on the path following Jesus, he still expects a sacrifice from us. It's not a blood sacrifice, thank God. He did that. It's a sacrifice of praise. What is praise? Praise is a public acknowledgement of who God is, his name in his character, in the way that I live, in the way that I speak. If you feel lost, one of the greatest things you can do is praise God. It's your duty. It's your occupation. He says we do it continually. What does that mean? Not just on Sundays at 9 a.m. Not just when Pastor Tasha sings that awesome song that we like. Continually, 24-7. In my sleeping, in my waking up, in my going to work on Mondays, even on Mondays, we continually praise God. We acknowledge him with our life, who he is and what he's done for us. And praise is a response to a revelation of who God is. If you have a hard time praising, maybe you haven't experienced the beauty and the love of Jesus. Don't let this be dead religion relationship have you met with him because when you've experienced his goodness our life begins to praise we just begin to talk about him talk about his goodness and it's something we do continually i love what it says in psalms 145 i will exalt you my god the king i will praise your name forever and ever every day i will praise you and extol your name forever and ever i love this this is what we are called to do all the time because it is the language of where we are going. It is the language of the eternal city that God is establishing. When we get to heaven, you know what we will be doing? We will be praising God just like we were today, singing holy, 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 acknowledging who God is. This is what we will do in eternity, and this is what God is calling us to do right now. And so if you feel lost, the greatest thing you can do is start to praise God start to praise who God is. Because praise is not dictated by your current circumstances or surroundings. We cannot wait to praise when it feels right. We do it right now in the midst of trials. Just like Paul and Silas in the prison, they begin to pray and sing praises unto God. What did it do? It changed the atmosphere of the prison. I don't know where you're at today, but what I do know is you can praise. I love what the scripture says. It says that we, we uh, in Isaiah 61, that he gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And there is a spirit of heaviness. There's a spirit of heaviness that is trying to attack our culture, the young generation, maybe even you. I wanna let you know, that's not from God, but he's given you a garment of praise when you feel that spirit of heaviness and when we choose to praise, it begins to shift the atmosphere. It begins to shift the tone of our soul. It begins to give us an eternal perspective. It brings us into the presence of God. It brings us right into the arms of the Father when we begin to praise. You don't need to wait for a solution. You just start to praise. We don't praise God for who we want him to be. We praise him for who he is. He's been good. He saved us. He set us free. He's the only one worthy of praise. Praise will bring you back to where you need to be. Some of you, this is all you need to hear today. You need to praise. You need to give language to praise. It says that it is the fruit of our lips. I believe a heart that is filled with gratitude, with awe and wonder that's experienced Jesus, the fruit of that is praise. Why is praise so difficult sometimes? Maybe it's because we've been feeding ourselves with other things, so the fruit of our lips is something else. You know, you can usually tell which news network someone watches by the way that they talk. You can tell what their algorithm's doing on Instagram by the way that they talk. The fruit of their lips Sometimes I find that I give and we give more language to our problems than we do to praise. We give more mental energy to our problems than we do to praise. We give more worry and concern to our problems and our circumstances than we do to praise. Praise is a weapon. Praise will shift the atmosphere. Praise can change a nation. Praise can set people free. What are you filling yourself with? As a church, if we want to stay on course and do all that God has called us to do, we have to choose to praise. It's not just going to happen. We choose to do it. We choose to open our mouth. We choose to acknowledge God and glorify Him, even when we don't feel like it. Because when we do that, it shifts the atmosphere. It could change your life simply praising God and acknowledging His name. Praise is a weapon. If you feel lost, praise. If you feel tired, praise. If you feel like giving up, praise. If you feel bound and addicted, praise. Praise. Lift up the name of Jesus for who he is because he's been good to us. Imagine Paul as he's speaking this letter. He was probably in chains as he's saying this. In Rome, in prison, in chains, fetters on his hands and his feet, Telling us to praise. This is our occupation. This is our duty. Why? Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Some of you, you need to give language to your praise. How do you do this? You need to fill yourself up with something greater than what's around us. I learned this, and this is very practical. We don't have a lot of time, and I have two more points after this. I learned something very practical from Pastor Dave. Every morning, this is what he does. He opens up his Bible to the Psalms turns on some worship music, and begins to simply pray through a few psalms. What does this do? This gives language to your praise. This fills you up and gives you something to say. If you don't know what to say, that's okay. God has given us the Bible. He's given us psalms. Open it up. I would just encourage you, just begin to pray through them. As you do this, watch the atmosphere of your life begin to change, where you feel like you're so far off, you're like, actually... I'm not, I'm not too far off. God is good. He's got me. I can do this, and you'll get right back on track. Bring a sacrifice of praise. Number three, serve. Serve. Feel lost. Feel off track. Serve. It says, do not neglect to do good and share what you have. Very practical. Serve. Matthew 20, 28 says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for the ransom of many. Service is a lifestyle of the eternal city, the kingdom to which we're headed. Service is so powerful because it takes our attention and focus off of ourselves and it puts it on someone else. Oftentimes, our problems look so big in front of us because all we think about is ourselves. But when you begin to serve, it begins to put you back on track, it begins to put you back in rhythm with what God's doing. Simply serving. Are there areas in your life where you're putting others before yourself, where you're serving the house, where you're serving those who can't give anything back to you? I would encourage you, serve and adopt a block. Serving kids men. Join the greeting team. Join the parking lot team. Volunteer at celebrate recovery. Serve. Find an area to serve because when we serve, it brings us back on track. Number four, last one, submit. Yeah, Yep. <laughs> you good, Napa, spay? Roseville, everyone watching. Okay, it says this: Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Jesus was completely submitted to the Father, and oftentimes we don't like this because this scripture has been used out of context and used for abuse. And if you've been abused spiritually or you've had unhealthy leaders, I want to apologize. That was not God's intention or God's heart. But that does not mean you cannot trust and submit to leaders. In submission, there is safety. In submission, there is guidance. In submission, there's direction. What I see for the young generation, they're pretty good. They're really good at praising. Just look at the worship that's coming out. What I fear is they're not good at submitting. And I would include myself in that. When we're not submitted, it leaves us exposed to the danger of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy. Coming under protection is the greatest thing you can do with your life because anytime you see moral failure, leadership fall, always, 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 it's because they weren't submitted. They weren't truly submitted. So for you, who's speaking into your life? Who are you submitted to? Who can call you out? Who's actually pastoring you? the the thing about church like this you can come to church and sit here on a sunday and still not be submitted and maybe we feel lost and maybe we feel like god where am i why aren't because we're not submitted submission begins where agreement ends it's easy to submit when you agree with everything they say it happens when they call you out challenge you are we open to that are we open to that So I want to encourage you, get planted. Find someone who can speak into your life. If this is your church home, allow the pastors and pastoral staff to speak into your life. Allow the leaders that have been released to speak into your life. Because it's easy to bounce around from one church to the next, but we will not grow, we will not thrive, we will not get to where God wants us to go if we're not submitted. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It takes humility and it takes trust. But it is one of the greatest, most practical things you can do when you feel lost. I know for me and the band could come up. Me and Sierra, we, you know, I've grown up in church. I've seen the good. I've seen the bad. I love church more than ever, though. I believe in it. But I know for me there have been times when I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. You know what my first call is? I either call my dad or I go and talk to Pastor Dave. Dad, I feel like quitting. I don't know if I can do this. He'll encourage me. He'll say, hey, are you called? Are you called? If you're called, then you can't quit. And what I need in those moments is a pastor to encourage me. I know when there's been transition seasons in my life, wisdom from Pastor Dave speaking into my life, seeing things that I don't see. And then this is where it gets tough. It's when there's areas where I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. And then someone's like, hey, I've seen this, this, this in your life. You need to grow. It's not comfortable. What it's doing is it's bringing me back on course. It's bringing me back onto the path God has for me. Even Jesus was submitted. At the very end, he's at the garden, about to go to the cross. He said, God, if there's any way I don't have to do this, can we make that happen? He said, nonetheless, not my will, but your will not because pastors or leaders need your devotion. Our devotion only goes to Jesus. Authority only comes from the word of God and God. But we need it. I need covering. Submission brings protection and direction. And if you feel lost today, one of these things, it could just be a simple, I need to get submitted, I need to get planted, or I need to start serving. I need to step outside of the walls that I've built up and go to Jesus. Go beyond my mistakes, my addiction, my brokenness, my traditions. Go to Jesus. Maybe I just need to start praising God. But I want to let you know, don't give up. Just like Pastor Dave said two weeks ago, don't tap out. Where we're going is so much greater than where we are now. I believe the best is yet to come and you're not as lost as you think. You're not as lost as you think. Stay the course. Stay the course. Keep running after all that God has for you. Keep running into the presence of God. The theme scripture of our church is Exodus 33. God, we don't want to go anywhere unless your presence goes with us. That should be the cry of your heart. Jesus, I want to stay as close to you as possible. And if that means I have nothing else, then that's okay with me. Because being near you is worth it. Because we do not live for the here and now, but we live for an eternal city. We live for where we're going. So before we end today, I want to end with this benediction, this prayer that the writer says over them. And I just want you to close your eyes, all campuses, and then we're going to dismiss campuses. You're doing better than you think, and you're not as lost as you think you are. God's calling you back. I'm just going to pray this over you. Now may the God of peace, who brought you out again from the dead, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. For more information on our church, log on to our website at tfh.org or check out the TFH app.